Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. How's everybody doing? Good, good. How are you? Very good. I'm fine as a fiddle. So today we are going to have a little round robin style discussion about work holding for restoration. Now we have a expert here on vices and he's going to be going into his tirade about vices at some point. However, we're going to start out real basic about basic work holding ideas. So something, Evan, give me some idea. What can somebody use on day one? They don't have, all they have is a workbench. What can we do to hold their part to do some work on it? Oh, well, you know, it's, if you have a workbench or maybe just a, a, a sturdy board or something in your shop that, that you can clamp to, having maybe a selection of, of a couple different sizes of clamps can be very, very helpful uh, to hold your work and make sure that, you know, stuff doesn't roll around. You know, a lot of times if you're working on a motor, uh, trying to change some bearings, things can roll around or try to get away from you while you're, while you're working on it. So just having maybe a couple clamps uh, handy in various sizes will be very beneficial if, if not only just for keeping them from rolling away from you. Um, so at, at the simplest, the simplest side, you know, having clamps, I think that would be a, a great addition to the shop and they're, they're cheap. You can find them anywhere. You can find old ones. You can find new ones for, you know, a couple of bucks here and there. And it, it's, it's really a good tool to have, um, a selection of clamps. You can never have too many clamps. So nope. that, that's what, that's what I was going with. That's Ask any woodworker if they have enough clamps, and they will always tell you yes. Oh. Yeah, even, even, <laughs> even, if they, even if they have five racks full of clamps, they will be like, no, I do not have enough. And for no matter what you're doing, you always seem to run out. There's like, oh, I need two more, and I don't have them. And it, it's, it gets rough sometimes. But that's why you always got to get clamps if you find them for cheap pick them up because if you're like i would never need these yes you will because eventually there's going to be something where you're going to need that extra clamp yeah don't discredit the cheap clamps those uh speed uh the speed clamps the little like trigger squeezing clamps don't give you a lot of force but i really like those to at least get the the larger item in place and then i can take the time using like a screw thread clamp that can get me a lot more force set up that way I'm not manipulating something in a weird direction while also trying to, you know, finger twirl a C-clamp into position. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are, those are great. I've, I've found that the, the blue uh, Irwin quick grip clamps, I think that's what you're referring to. I, I, think <laughs> I know they have several different makers of those, but I think the most common is probably the Irwin quick grip. I use those on my drill press as well. Sometimes if I have awkward shaped things, you know, I have the, the nice soft rubber feet. You can grip something that's not necessarily straight or might have a curve to it a lot easier than you would maybe a drill press vise or if you don't even have a drill press vise you can hold on to things with those quick quick grip clamps and do some drilling on it or maybe sanding if you need to sand a piece of metal down that's pretty small they're good for more than just holding your work together you can hold the work while you're working on it on a drill press on a sander or whatever you need to do and they're, they're multi-use products and they're very useful to have Yep. Yeah, those other ones are great. I actually I really like the woodworking Jorgensen clamps, the orange ones you see with the long bar attached oh, to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you see those at a yard sale, buy all of them if they're $5 under or less. I mean, you can get those, like, you know, a lot of times you get them at an estate sale where guys are like, 
some woodworker passed away and he's got a zillion of them. Buy all of them. You need them all. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back to the drill press, if you ever have to do something, put a new hole or tap new threads uh, using drill press, having a machinist, um, or I, sometimes they're called an engineering clamp or vice, I'm sorry, is nice, but it's not necessary. I've seen quite a few people get away with using one of the wooden hand screw clamps and then using what? speed speed clamps and attaching that to the table for um, usually a drill press. I, I haven't seen that kind of rig in like a, a bridge port, but for like woodworking or at least, you know, thin, thin gauge metal uh, drill and tap, you can get away with just a series of clamps to hold your pieces in place. And they seem to do a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I feel like for some of those things, like say you're new to the game and you don't really have a dedicated vice yet. Um, one of those little, like what you're talking about, a lot of times they call them drill press vices or like small, like little, um, like we like we were talking, the kind of vice you'd see on a drill press, heavy, kind of uh, squarish that sits yep. flat on the bench top. Those are fantastic just for holding a small part, even if you're just holding it to work on your, holding a part to do some bench top work. Um, they're really handy. Uh, Palmgren is a really great manufacturer of them back in the day. Stanley yep. made them. Um, they're awesome. They're heavy and they're they're good for holding small parts. Like yep. if you're a wire wheel or file on something, um, if you can pick one of those up for cheap on a, at a flea market or on Facebook Marketplace as like a first, maybe a first vice. I don't know if that offends the vice god over here, Evan. But no, I think that, no, I we'll we'll get into that. Now you can't you can't really. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but <laughs> if oh, oh. if by, you baby. need if you need a vice. You just need to, you need something to hold your work. You can go to Harbor Freight. You can buy a vice. I said it. I said it. Okay. We'll get into we'll get into other vices. You know, older vices, maybe more heavy duty vices. But if you need a vice, you're you're guaranteed. You can go to Harbor Freight and for twenty, thirty bucks, be into the vice game and have something that you can bolt to your bench or clamp down, and you'll be ready to go. Now that. For me personally, I would say that's a starting point. If you absolutely need something, go ahead and get the Harbor Freight Vice. But I will admit 100% up front, I am biased to the old heavy-duty iron, and that's what I'm going to stick with. But if you need a vice, go ahead and go to Harbor Freight. You're probably going to need to pick up some other stuff from there anyway. Might as well grab a vice to get yourself started. You know, that's not a bad idea. You take the Harbor Freight Vice to restore your first good vice. And then hey, you there you go. Now we're talking. Throw away the Harbor Freight vice no, 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 no. and where it belongs. You take the good vice and you crush <laughs> the Harbor Freight vice. You can do that too. Although yeah. I will, I will say, if you have, say, even if it's an older, you know, heavy duty vice, if you have a junk vice that maybe is is already damaged, something's broken on it, um, or if you have the Harbor Freight vice around just to have it in case you need to do some grinding, if you need to do some heavy-duty filing, if you need to use a cutoff wheel for something. Those are great to have because, you know, they're, they're 20 30 bucks, and you don't have to really worry about if, if the angle grinder, you know, with the 6-inch cutoff wheel slips off your piece and gouges the crap out of the jaws of your vice. It's, it's not really a big deal because it, it's not, it's not yep. a valuable piece. It's not 100 years old. And yeah. you, you can live with that. Um, but totally. having, you know, the old iron, you, you kind of want to keep those around because they have they don't make those anymore. 
but they're always making more Harbor Freight vices. That's a fact. There, there's so many options for, for work holding getting started too. I mean, if you, maybe you live in an area where there isn't a Harbor Freight, there isn't like a good big box store just to get started. There's some other little tips and tricks that we have that we want to share today just for some really like simple, stupid work holding. I mean, we talked about this before the show. A lot of this stuff is common sense, but I mean, these are good tips to, to pick up. So like, all right, here's one tip. If you have a, a interesting shaped work piece or something small, you could always glue it down to your bench. That's kind of, it sounds kind of funny, but if you put some painter's tape on one surface and then of the part and put some painter's tape on your bench, you can a, a crazy glue or, or um, CA glue that down to your bench top to do some basic work and it'll hold it pretty, pretty solid on there. There's some other ones out there, some other tips too. Yeah, basically, I mean, like what Dave's talking about, where you don't want it to roll away from you. You don't want it to fall off the bench and hit the floor. You just want it to stay there. You know, if you have some extra supplies around, maybe you have some some uh, sheet metal strapping and some screws and you just want you're working on an electric motor, you're rewiring it. You want to see if it if it works and you haven't put it all together yet. So it's on its base or feet or whatever it has. Um, you can wrap that that metal strapping around it and put a couple screws into your bench or a piece of wood and it'll keep it there and keep it from uh, rolling away or say you need to change some bearings on on a on a motor as well you can use that strapping to wrap around it and make sure it doesn't go away while you're uh, pulling those bearings off to replace them yep i'm a big fan of uh of screw like wood screwing parts directly down to my bench if, if and when possible I, I think that you know if i I have a sacrificial bench top, so I don't really care about putting holes in it. I'm not talking about an old craftsman wood bench, you know, from the 1800s. But, you know, if I need to hold a, a small part that already has a screw hole in it, I'll, I'll, I don't have any qualms about screwing it directly down to the bench. Or even, you know, using screws um, in another way. Say you have a big, like, uh, maybe a big uh, cast iron surface plate or something like that. You can use screws kind of like you use bench dogs. Uh, so we're basically keeping the, the part from moving in any direction by arresting its movement using the heads of screws drilled right into your bench. So yep. like minimum three points, I'd say, I think is the, is the work holding formula there. Um, stopping it in X, Y, and Z um, for doing, uh, but I think that works best for kind of flat work. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure James has, has his own thoughts, but you know, with James, he just buys stuff that's big enough that he doesn't have to worry about holding it because it just stays where it is no matter what. Just for the record, at the time of this podcast, James is the proud owner of seven Universal no. Woodwork. No. That's a no. lie. That's a lie. <laughs> he oh wishes goodness. he was. But going back to uh, just doing what it, what it takes to get stuff done, I've been cleaning up the table saw for this Universal, and I have sacrificial rolling dolly uh, workbenches and that way I can move uh, really move heavy parts around just so I get better lighting I don't have a great lighting scheme um, <clears throat> and because the workbenches are all made out of scrap uh, as Dave said I don't really care about the tabletop it is a is a consumable in my view so I've, I've actually put some fairly large holes and slots into the tops of the tables themselves just so that I can take my random assortment of clamps and feed them through and almost act like a dogged clamp from the center of my table. And then I can spin the whole table around and I can get to it from all sides. And I'm actually moving the piece that way and not having to continuously pick it up and move it from a certain angle. Now, I'm lucky to have a big garage floor to be able to spin parts around 360. Sure. Uh, that's not always everybody's option, but you know, you don't have to have that 
beautiful Instagram picture ready bench to do any of this work. You can definitely set up a couple pieces of OSB, put some holes through it and get to work on some table legs. Absolutely. Now, I mean, when it comes down to it, to be 100% honest, we do have two built-in vices or clamps or whatever you want to call them. We have our hands. We can hold stuff. You can do a lot of things with your hands, but we're trying to give you options to get away from that because you don't want to be holding on to some little piece of rebar or shafting or whatever you're working on and having to one hand a grinder with a six inch cutoff wheel, you know, that can, that can get bad real quick. So you want to make sure that if you're using your hands, you need to practice those safety principles, make sure you're wearing safety glasses and proper safety, um, following proper safety practices at all times, because, you know, you can really end up hurting yourself. So having these vices, you know, no matter if they're brand new or if they're older or wherever they're coming from, ultimately what it comes down to is if you damage them, it's okay. You haven't hurt yourself. It's it's a tool. It's meant to be used. We don't want to damage them on purpose, but if they get hurt, it's better than you getting hurt and losing a finger or a hand or some, something terrible like that. Um, so there are a lot of different options to consider, but make sure you're being safe no matter what you're doing. Yeah. I would say optimum setup is you have one vice that you are comfortable taking a beating along with you or getting spray paint all over it, or taking those, as you mentioned, you know, slips of an angle grinders or slips of a hammer. And then another vice where you really take care of it if you can and really get the right clamping force where you need it. Um, sidebar, have you guys done much soldering? I've done a little bit. I, I took a couple electronics class back in college. I do it occasionally when I have um, electric motors that I, I need to rewire or something came loose. Um, but not a, not a whole lot. I mean, compared to everything else, that's probably one of the the least things that I do. But occasionally, I do have to do it, and, and you know, it's nice to have that setup and capability when you do need it. Yeah, I'll tell you those little alligator clamp uh, vices. They're called oh, the, the, the third hands. I've seen one where you can get a couple. Like if you're um, doing connections, it is so nice to be able to clamp with the little alligator clamps on like little. that manipulatable uh, cable. It's really nice to be able to set that up and then only worry about your solder and your your uh, heat source and not have to be trying to push the wires or hold everything in your palms. It gets so annoying if, if your solder joint falls apart just because you're trying right. to solder. Plus, <laughs> if, I, if I could live the rest of my life without getting burned by a soldering iron again, I would be happy. Oh, again, that sounds bad. Again, what, what happened? You know, if, you, if you're working on, on anything electrical, if you don't have that... A, a little alligator clamp vice to hold things on. You're trying to keep the wires together and you, you've applied flux to them and you want to make sure they stay in the right spot. And then you try to get the, you know, the tip of the soldering iron into the joint so that it, it joins up. And then one of the wires creeps away. And then for the split second, you forget that you have to keep your hand away from hot stuff and you go to grab that wire and put it back, but it's already 500 degrees, you know, Jeez. so chasing around the ends of wires that aren't behaving themselves is the worst possible thing that ruins any kind of soldering experience and not having the right stuff for that. I actually, I don't own a soldering clamping setup. I usually wind up like, like electrical taping the stuff down to my bench right in the right place. And it just, it never works right. So, I mean, like, that's just another thing, like having the right tools for the job, work holding in general. If you have the right stuff, it'll make your life a lot, a lot easier. I'm going to send this down a different theme here. 
the actual clamping surface of your vice or your clamp is more important than I think people give it credit. If you go too fast, you could end up marring or destroying inadvertently what you're trying to clean up. And I know For sure. vice, Absolutely. depending on the vice, sometimes they have diamond patterns. Um, sometimes they uh, have their own nicks and gouges that you will basically impress onto your working piece. And so there's, there's extra things, especially in woodworking, you got to be very, really careful. You'll see sacrificial either softwoods or hardwoods, depending on what you're clamping, inside woodworking vices, just so that your clamping force is spread out as uniformly as possible and you don't get localized indentation. You can right. you know, push that yeah, out. Like when, when you think of woodworking vices, you know, I think they're a lot of times a lot more forgiving because, like you said, they have wooden face jaws on them that are usually backed up by you know the cast iron or steel or however the vice is made and you know having that wood on there usually doesn't cause any trouble for what you're clamping but like you said there are jaw faces now the the older vices probably nine times out of ten have hardened like file hard tool steel jaws and they have that diamond pattern on them, or they had sometimes they're flat jaws and they don't have serrations, but a lot of times they have serrations. And if you clamp too hard on something, just like James said, you can just absolutely ruin the finish. So you have if you have a, a nice shaft that you're working on, if you clamped it in there, it'd be ruined. And you, you don't you don't want to do that. Because you know, sometimes that, that shaft needs to fit in super tight tolerances and you don't wanna don't wanna mess that up. Soft jaws, I mean, yeah, there's so many different options out there for soft jaws. Even like on the commercial market, you can go on Amazon or any kind of industrial supplier and you've got aluminum soft jaws, brass soft jaws, I like plastic rubber ones. Plastic 3D printed. I've seen 3D printed as well. Very cool. I mean, even like super low tech in my shop, um, pieces of uh, like lead sheeting, which you can get. I mean, it's kind of hard to find anymore, but. Um, lead sheeting or like I, I have a piece of leather that I kind of just sit like in a U-shape between the jaws for yep. all kinds of stuff. Um, I've, I've used I've used shop rags if I haven't had to put very much clamping force on. Just use sure. a couple layers of shop rags. Yeah. But it really depends on, like, A, your, your end goal. If you don't care, then you're going to take some shortcuts. But if you really need to make sure how you're grabbing it, you're going to you're gonna go to that next level to make sure – doing the work isn't causing you more work down the road. Right. Kevin, back in the day, didn't they make um, some specialty like brass wraparound soft jaws? Were they brass? What were those made of? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so they, they have uh, several different kinds. I, I mean, aluminum was kind of a, a premium material back in the day, but they did have some aluminum soft jaws, and they do have uh, copper or brass, uh, depending you know on where you got them from. They did have copper or brass, and they... Sometimes they were just sheets that uh, a worker cut out themselves that roughly fit the shape of the jaws, and the, but they did the job and they covered the serrations. Other times they were uh, factory produced options that were, were elegantly designed and, and fit the jaws very nicely and and enhanced the beauty of the vise um, just by them sitting on there. But they were also very functional as well. Yeah, I'm picturing the ones that kind of like they they don't like uh, screw onto the jaws or replace the jaws. They kind of wrap nicely around the like both ends of the of the jaw. If that makes yeah. sense. Yep, yep. So yeah. I mean, they do have different options. If you have replaceable jaws, you can replace them with uh, a solid copper or or brass bar. 
But then if you do have built-in jaws, you can get those uh, wraparound sheets that will protect the jaws as well. Dave, nine times out of ten, I've just seen people taking sheet uh, goods, whether it be copper, brass. I don't know if I've seen aluminum. But if you can cut the profile you want, you can end up tapping it into a shape that will hug it from three sides. And that usually uh, won't come loose if you're working on something that's a little softer. Let's let's go the other way. If you really needed to hold this thing so that the force of Mother Nature and, and all of gravity uh, was able to resist the amount of force you were able to put on it, what do you suggest, oh, Vice Master? Well, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying with uh, having an older heavy-duty vice where if you need to beat on something, if you need to get something knocked loose, having that old heavy-duty vice that has the nice serrated jaws on it, if you don't care about the surface finish at the current time, those serrations and you clamp down on it, you will have a hard time getting that thing to move. So if, if, you're, if it's bolted down to a bench that's the least bit substantial and you clamp a piece in it, you can take now, you can't take the biggest sledgehammer you have, but you could take a pretty good hammer and wail on that thing as hard as you want, and it's not going to go anywhere. So it's, it's, they're pretty heavy duty, and you know, depending on your needs and, and what you're working on and what you expect of the vice, there are many different sizes that you can, can spec into to get the results that you require. Um, so it's all about figuring out what you need to do, what you need the vice to do, and then determining the most appropriate size for that work now i'm i'm i mean i'm right here with you supporting the history and the old vices would you stand behind a modern vice these days is someone making something of that caliber is there any alternative to the harbor freight the tractor supply there there are high quality vices out there still being made but with that high quality comes a high price tag now Wilton is probably one of the most well-known vice manufacturers that is still in business. They are still making vices. They unfortunately recently stopped their manufacturer in the United States, and they've switched almost entirely to Taiwan. Um, but they are still making heavy-duty vices that you see a lot of times on the back of contractors' trucks. You see them right. in, in the workplace companies still buy them new because they come with the factory warranty. When you buy an older vice, it doesn't come with the factory warranty and, and manufacturers and, and buyers of these vices like to have those warranties in case it does break. So there are still vices around that cost a lot of money, but you do get the quality. Now here's where I would plug for every one brand new vice you find, there's got to be, a hundred old used vices out there. And I'm not kidding. There is vices everywhere. If you don't see vices when you're searching Craigslist or Facebook marketplace, you're, you're not, you must be blind. You're not looking because they are everywhere. Yep. You can find them. You can find them for cheap. You can find them in perfect condition. You can find them in rusted condition. You can find them from free. You can find them to a thousand dollars, whatever you want to spend, whatever you need, you can find it. And there's no shortage of them. And I, I suggest to go look out on Craigslist, look on Facebook Marketplace, because you can find them all over. And I guarantee you, you'll find something that will suit your needs. Totally ubiquitous. And I, I wanted to add on to 
what you were talking about with just the. I mean, maybe this is one step behind, but um, if you really want to hold on to something tight and well, the base is just as important as the vice. You can take the beefiest vice you can find and you put it on a wobbly tabletop, and all of the effort that you put into that is just going to. A lot of the effort, I should say, that you put into that that part that you're working on is going to be lost to the wobble of the base. I mean, I think there's probably no better or cheaper base to mount a vice to than, I mean, I'm thinking of like a stump out back, you know, it's locked into the ground. It's an immovable, something, something that's not going to move. Yeah. I mean, and even if you take a little wimpy vice, your, your hazard fraud vice and bolt it to something immovable, you're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of that heavy, immovable uh nature of that whole setup that you want for work holding uh, and that also leads into dave the the physical strength of the vice so you could have a a six inch vice from harbor freight and a six inch vice from whatever xyz manufacturer from 50 60 years ago and you're going to break the harbor freight vice nine times out of ten over breaking that old vice just because of the materials they're made out of the quality the standards that they were held to right and and some of these vices they they end up breaking themselves like the the new ones because they they still produce a lot of force to hold your work i've seen videos on vices that people put a force speeder in between the jaws and they're getting up between 15 and twenty thousand pounds of force of clamping force uh on their vices and they, they they hold the they hold the, the weight they don't break um so there's a lot of forces involved a lot of a lot of weight there and and you, you got to make sure that you're you're protecting those vices and not overdoing it yeah if you're curious about any of this stuff i would recommend and i'm, I'm not trying to plug a channel but uh fireball tools on youtube did an excellent vice like destructive testing video where yeah. he took like probably 10 or 15 different vices and he did like scientific testing on the um, the brake strength of all these different ones, ranging from new vices, foreign-made vices, old American vices, old foreign vices, and then he even made he made his own vice. And he did all the he tested with scientific instruments to see how much force they were taking before they broke, and then he analyzed the failure modality of 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 the vice. Um, it was very interesting for someone that's interested in work holding like us nerds are. Yeah, um, yeah. Might that was it. a that was a great video. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I did enjoy that. One thing I do want to add real quick before I forget is that with any vice, no matter when or where it was made, if you don't use vices all the time, this might not be, you know, a, a, a thought you would have in your head. But if you're in devices, the length of the handle of the stock handle that's provided for the vice is that way for a reason. These engineers and, and the manufacturers who made these 100 years ago or even today knew how much force this vice could withstand, and they made that handle to suit it. So if your handle is a foot long, that means that as much force as you can put on it with your two hands, that vice should not break. But yeah. as soon as you get the cheater bar out and put it on that handle, <laughs> or, you are already overloading the vice. Yes. If you see a vice that has a compromised bar, you should ask a lot more questions because somebody decided that they needed to get clamping force by beating it with a hammer 
or putting a cheater bar on it, and they may have gotten that clamping force, but at what price to the casting? And going mm-hmm. back a step, the the price you pay for something new or the quality of an older vice all comes down to that metallurgy. Uh, getting you know a little nerdy, uh, everybody uses cast iron as the turn of phrase for all uh, old machinery, but really there there are different grades. And when we poke fun at the Harbor Freight vices, it's really because you know, there's hardly any iron in that at all. It's called pot metal, and sure. pot metal is a very low grade of iron, and its tensile strength is terrible. So when you're when you're whaling on or are overexerting on those bars to try and get as much clamping force as you can, you're really imparting a ton of stress on a brittle material, and that is going to fail over time. And it's not something like you know ductile steel where you'll see a deformation; it will just crack and break. Uh, and that will be a, a more of a, a abrupt uh, failure as opposed to something where you see some propagation or some deformation. So you got to really ask yourself some questions if you see uh, the vice in a poor condition, not just from rust's sake, but you know where it looks like people were cheating and applying extra force on it to try and get a job done. Yeah, interesting that the video that we were just talking about before from Fireball Tools really goes into the nitty-gritty as far as gray iron versus ductile iron versus, like, all the different styles and types of cast that are out there, and they show you how to test for different stuff, um, both visually and destructively, if I recall. So it kind of gets back sure, to yeah. the idea of, like, when, you, when you're out there in the field and you're looking for your, for your vice, um, for your work-holding solution, what, what you're actually getting your hands on. So I actually want to shift gears a little bit for a second. So there are so many different types of vices out there, and we, we started talking a little bit pre-show about a bunch of different uh, work-holding solutions, even outside of like um, some of the standard stuff. So let, let's talk a little bit about vices. What are the different style of vices out there that we could find uh, you know, for sale, used market in the field now? I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start here now. I claim to know a little bit about vices. I don't know everything about vices i've been collecting and and researching vices for maybe about four years now and every single day i see a vice that i have not seen before as in a new manufacturer a new style a new size now there are some very common manufacturers out there and i don't think we're going to get into that today but styles of vices there's there's basically you know machinist vices there's drill press vices there's woodworking vices and we can go on and on but i guess the 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 main vices that you'd be working with in a restoration is either a woodworking vice or a machinist vice most likely Um, those are the two kind of common categories and ranging from sizes to swivel base to stationary to swivel jaw to different opening lengths you can get almost anything that you want and and those older vices the main thing for me is that they tell a story so with restoring anything, anything that's that you think is worth restoring, probably one of the things that's in, in the forefront of your mind is is the story that comes along with that tool or For that sure. machine. Like, where did this come from? Who used this? If it could talk, what would it say? And the biggest thing for me with these old vices is that story. And if I look at the marks and, and the, the scratches and nicks and dents on all my vices, I want to know where that came from. Who was working on this? What were they doing? What were they building in order for that to happen? Like, what, what's the story? I have a vice that's sitting right next to me right now. 
that is over a hundred years old. Evans in his bedroom, by the way, right now. No, That's- this is my basement. I'm in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm surrounded by vices. I'm in my shop right now. It's what I do. I collect vices. I restore vices. I love learning about vices. And the vice sitting right next to me is over a hundred years old. And I just wish I could know where it was, what it did and how it got to me because for the hundred plus years before I bought it, it was in a shop. It was working. It was going day and night. It was dirty. It was used. And I think that it's amazing that it survived that time without any major damage. And, and that to me, that is the, the ultimate uh, pleasure when it comes to doing these things is learning the story if you can, or just inferring by what you can see on the vice of, of where it's been and, and what it's done. Here's a quick question. What's, what's the deal with the, with the blacksmith vices that everybody wants there? I feel like they've become kind of Gucci in the last few years. Like everybody's trying to get their hands on them. What, what makes them so good? And, um, or, or, or what's their, what's their appeal? The leg vice. Yeah. Leg vice. Yes, is, yes, is yes, black, blacksmith, vice. blacksmith vices out there. So yeah, I did, I did forget to include leg vices. Now, leg vices are exactly like they sound. They have a leg to them that goes down to the floor. Now, when you think about what you're going to be doing on a vice, you could be doing mundane things or, or uh, not very heavy-duty things like maybe filing or, or just holding a piece while you're putting some screws or nuts or bolts in. But you can be doing some heavy-duty work where you're hitting something with a hammer very, very hard. And if you have a machinist vice that's just bolted to your bench, you know, if as long as you're not going crazy, it's going to survive and it'll be just fine. If you if you're hitting it with a hammer, you're hitting your workpiece and you have something that you need to do uh, like that. But with blacksmiths, you know, if you think about what a blacksmith does, he takes very heavy hammers and is hitting hot metal on an anvil or bending things, twisting things, forming that metal into a different shape. And the leg vice is very, very good at transferring that load into the ground. So instead of like a machinist vice where you would transfer that energy straight into the vice from that hammer blow, the leg vice takes that and transfers it straight to the ground. So you're not putting all that energy into the vice and potentially damaging it. Interesting. It's probably not the best for restoration or necessary for restoration work, but you know, they're cool. They're, they're super cool. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They are all pretty to are restore. Awesome. I've seen a few restorations of, of digging those things out of the ground and making them uh, usable again. Oh, they're gorgeous. I mean, everything about them is gorgeous. And they're all handmade, too. Well, most, I, I would actually, I guess they are all kind of handmade. They're hand forged. At least a lot that. of them were. Yeah, some of them, some of them weren't, uh, you know, were more mass produced. Some of them were hand forged, every single one of them, and, and put together piece by piece. Wow. Um, but, you know, they do have more um, mass manufactured ones, depending on the maker or, or what time period you're looking at. Um, but they they are very very cool as well and and yes they have become kind of a a popular item or a hot item these days where everybody's looking for one and you can see them on the marketplace quite frequently but everybody usually seems to want a, a pretty penny for them because they are cool and they are very useful and you know blacksmithing is is becoming a, a hot topic again in in recent years so having those blacksmithing tools is is a good thing to have and and you know you can get a, a premium for them if you if you have some to sell do you have one of those are you are you a leg a leg guy a leg vice guy at this point 
No, I, I'm not. I never, I never got into it. I, I don't have an anvil. I, I would love to have an anvil someday. And maybe if I got an anvil, I would like to get into having, having a leg vise. I just don't have the, the setup for that currently. Um, you kind of have to have a, a nice place to have the leg mounted to in order for it to work properly. And I don't have that currently, but you know, someday you never know. I, yep. I never thought I'd be here with the vices that I have now. Um, but mainly machinist vices are, are what I work with and they're my favorite right now. Uh, um, James, do you ever run into them up by you up in New York? Yeah. Um, they're around. I, uh, again, I'm not usually searching after them as somebody who, once I have tools at my disposal, I'm usually looking at woodworking as my, uh, medium for making things, but yeah, they're around. They, again, if they're in good condition, people know that they're in good condition and know people will pay for them. So I haven't seen very many that are really extremely affordable that aren't also in extremely poor conditions. Hasn't really crossed my radar to restore one. Sure. sure. Yeah, like Evan, I'm not into blacksmithing at this point, but it would be fun. Sure. Um, yeah, for, for me, there's an appeal to some of the older vices the, just from an aesthetic craftsmanship and assembly and, and the materials used. But as much as I like looking at those vices, I get just as much enjoyment seeing how people craftily uh, build into their workbenches custom clamping. Uh, oh, yeah, look, for sure. If you look at woodworking benches, I mean, you can get really nice uh, bench vices um, that are turnkey from a manufacturer, have all the nice hardwoods, all the good-looking fittings and you know Acme threads. But sometimes, if you're creative... I've seen some amazing woodworking bench vices made out of nothing more than some all thread, some double nuts, and some grease, and a couple big boards. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some really, really cool solutions. I've seen people do, uh, you know, homemade gears or even like CNC, not CNC, I'm sorry, laser table gears where they can do quick releases. You can get that fine adjustment and you can also pop it into another gear and be able to slide the whole bench vise in and out quickly. So I really like seeing that there's a new creative spark to kind of developing your own custom clamping style. And again, woodworking usually doesn't require the same amount of clamping force. Sure. Uh, although you'd be surprised if you've got, you know, three or four foot long bench clamp holding onto a leg of a table, you can impart quite a bit of force uh, just across the threads of um, some all thread but yeah I, I as much as i i love the old hundred year old vices um a special part of me enjoys seeing what people can come up with with the limited materials they have so i, I get a kick out of that yeah, yeah that, that is a great a great thing like you know we, we talk about restoration a lot on this channel but it's also coming up with your own ideas and sharing those ideas and and solving problems and like we said, yeah, sure, you could go out and buy a vice and you can get almost anything you want if you have the money for it. But if you if you don't or you just have some spare parts laying around, just like James said, you can make your own. And that that is awesome as well, because, you know, just making do with what you have in order to get the project done. We've said that a lot. Just getting the project done. If you need something, make a tool, do what you need to do to get it done. And there, there's a lot you can do with with very little. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for creating that, you know, uh, that that homemade solution to your work holding problem. I mean, there are, a lot of it's going to come down to your own instincts and your just sort of common sense of figuring out a way to hold whatever um, part 
needs to be worked on, you know, in, in our context, what needs to be restored. And, um, you know, with some basic hand tools, you can, or some basic small tools, I should say, you can get a lot of stuff done without, you know, breaking your bank or, um, you know, creating this gigantic heavy duty space with, uh, with all these massive machines like we like to, but I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for just the basics and the small stuff. Yeah. And like we say all the time, we want to hear from you guys, the listeners, about what you're doing. I mean, we've talked here, you know, probably about 30 minutes about different work holding ideas. And I and we probably haven't even scratched the surface of what's out there and what people have done. So if you make sure to check us out at the Restoration Podcast on Instagram and send us a message or, or tag us in a story about how you hold your work, how you work on stuff, how do you. Uh, what what vice do you use? What what tools do you have in order to make sure that your work doesn't roll around or move um, while you're working on it? And it would be very fun to see what you guys are working on, as well as how you hold it and how you keep it where it needs to be. Yeah, we're all students of the game, too. Everything that you guys contribute, we're going to talk about in a future episode. We're going to bring it to our own shops. And this is all about creating a community around around uh, a common uh, interest in, in specifically in restoration. And the more that we discuss and the more you become part of this conversation, the more we're all going to grow as a community and as craftsmen and restorers. So bring us your ideas and we'll, we'll chat about them. Yep. And I want to uh, reiterate, vices are wonderful to use for restoration, but vices in and of themselves, I don't want to speak for Evan, but they are a wonderful prep platform to take your restoration game to the next level beyond the, the entry. Uh, there can be some complicated components to vices. Vices can uh, have some some parts that are that are relatively tight tolerances around like the threading or the machine faces. So if you really want to take on a project that is both beautiful and can challenge you to come up with some of your own unique restoration um, techniques, Vices in of them themselves can be a wonderful project to tackle. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, today's episode was pretty much filled with, with little tips and tricks. And, you know, normally we have kind of a, a tip of the day at the end of the end of the podcast here. But I think unless anybody has something they, they want to uh, put in here, um, I think our entire podcast were kind of like the tips of the day. Um, does anybody want to go, go off of that or have, have a overarching theme or tip for today? Don't mar your shaft. Yeah. Don't mar your shaft. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's good. You don't want to, you don't want to mess up your work because sometimes that, that can, that can suck. And you know, you don't want to have to redo a part or spend a lot of extra time. Oh, oh. James got an idea. Go ahead. Another one. Do not use a vice as a press. A vice is not a press. You do not get to push your bearings in using a vice clamping force. That Wait, is not absolutely. its intended purpose. You will find ways to want to impart more force and inevitably do more damage to the vice than you want. Dave is looking over his shoulders. <laughs> I'm sure he's been... Dave is guilty. Up. Dave is guilty oh, of man. this. Well, that's what happens when you're self-taught. You do dumb stuff and you think it's okay when it's not. <laughs> hydraulic, hydraulic presses are cheap. You can get them. You can make them just yep. like we can make your own vice. You can make a hydraulic press out of a bottle jack and a couple pieces of uh, of tubing or whatever you have. That's a fact. Uh, so make do sure not, you're using the right tool for the right job. Do not use your 
advice as a press, or you will get to experience firsthand the fracture mechanics of ductile iron exploding in your face. The exactly. Broken. Don't do exactly. it. <laughs> All right, guys. Once again, make sure, listeners at home, let us know what you're thinking. You can always get a hold of us at our Gmail, which is at the restoration podcast at gmail.com, as well as on Instagram at the restoration podcast. We'd love to see your stories. Send us photos, tag us in what you're working on. We'd love to see it and, and make sure that you tell us, you know, how you hold your work and what else you're working on, because we would love to see it. And we appreciate your listenership. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. See you next time, people. Adios, muchachos. Bye. Bye. Dear Dave, I'm a single 27-year-old who's hot for rust removal. What's his name? His name is Devin, Devin Easy. Oh, oh yes. My alter ego, my twin, Dave. Oh, my God. Oh, I hope his beard is as handsome as yours. Well, you're a, he's a lovely man.